All right, wow. That's a good-looking group out there. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Hey. Um, I feel really comfortable right now, and um, this could be a really good thing or a bad thing. I'm usually not, like, so comfortable speaking, um, preaching, uh, but you guys make me feel so comfortable. I don't know why, and uh, it's going to get really fun. We're going to have a lot of fun today, okay? Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. So this is the first large group of your new semester, and... Um, yeah, Eunice was like, you know, she was actually, I was supposed to preach on a later day. She switched me out and she was trying to sell me the first large group. She was like, it's the first one. You can do it and it's going to be so amazing. This is going to set the tone for the rest of the semester. And I was like, wow, that's like a lot of burden. <laughs> like just reach at the first, first large group, right? Um, and so I was actually in prayer and I was like, God, um, what do I, what do I tell these? These, you know, students that you've brought here, what do I tell them? And I felt like God wanted me to tell you something that I find to be very foundational. But for the people that don't know this foundational rule and this foundational law and this foundational truth, it's very hard to get from point A to even point B, let alone point C, D, E, right? And so let's just, I was going to give a long intro, but um, I'm kind of tight on time today. So what we're going to do is we're going to go straight to the Bible all right, everybody turn to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, thank you. Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. So it's 11 verses, kind of long. Um, so I'm just going to read it all, but I just want everybody to follow along if you can. Okay, everybody there? I hear a lot of hear a lot of mumblings. So I don't know if that's good or not. It's there, right? Ephesians two. You guys have a full Bible. Okay, good. All right. Ephesians two eleven. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one of one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. <clears throat> For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So, th so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are built, being built together in a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Amen. Today I came to tell you that you belong. And as from verses 18 to 22 says, you belong in the house of God. And that's what I came to tell you today. It's a very simple message. You belong. Tell it to your neighbor, you belong. You belong. <clears throat> awesome. You belong. And, you know, <laughs> we got a little stragglers. I hear like you belong, like echoes. Um, 
Alright, hold on. So you belong. But you belong where? In the house of God. And now the house of God doesn't actually, it can mean the church, like, you know, where you go on Sundays. It could mean this group because, you know, God is worshipped here. But what I really want to talk to you about is that you belong in the house of God as if God actually had a house. Like, you belong where he lives. You belong where his presence is. You belong like you belong to a family of God. Okay? Now, there are a lot of perks to be belonging to any kind of family. There's a lot of perks for even having a home. Right? Even just having a place to stay. There are a lot of perks. And I'm kind of guessing, I don't, I don't know everybody, but I'm kind of guessing everybody has a roof over their head right now, right? Like you guys go home. And if you guys are, we could, we could talk about it later. But you guys aren't, right? Right? Okay, good. I don't want to offend anybody, but nobody's actually homeless, right? Actually, even if you were, why would you tell me right now, right? But anyways, I'm thinking that you guys all have a home to go to today. After all this is over, after we have dinner together, you guys have a home to go to. And there are a lot of perks of having a home, a house that you belong to, that we don't think about a lot of times because we seem it's very, it's very common for us, right? It's very common for us to have a home to go to. But I just want to lay down some very basic perks of being part of God's house. Perk number one, it's comfortable. Like, your home is where you do stuff that you would never do outside the home. Your home is where you do stuff and wear stuff or not wear stuff that you would never do in someone else's home, right? Like, home is where you feel, like, completely yourself. Like, you don't need to ask nobody. You don't need to consult nobody. You're just, like, yourself. You could walk around in your underwear if you feel like. You could just eat. You could eat in your bed if you want to. Nobody really cares. It's your home. There's a comfort that you feel at home that you can't really replicate anywhere else i have a thing against uh, sleeping over people's houses um when i was like really young i loved it you know like when i was like middle school high school not even high school but i have a thing against sleeping over house when i know i have a home like it, i don't it, don't it doesn't feel right like they could like they could put me up in their own room like i could have my own bed and my own bathroom and what it just don't feel right you know what i'm saying like you have your own you know area on the bed that you have at home you have like a you know you have a nightly ritual anybody have a nightly ritual like i have i have my thick blanket and then my thin blanket right and then and then you know what i'm saying right and then and then i have a certain like like groove in my 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 Tempur-Pedic pillow that I like and so I need my Tempur-Pedic pillow so I don't really like sleeping over his someone else's house so much so that when I actually first got married Eunice and I knew each other for about 11 years we actually were roommates for like five six years in Korea it was like she was like my practice husband she was my first husband you know what I mean like I live with her in many different places we were you know we were one in that way you know and when I actually we got married I my Sam my, my husband's name is Sam um I moved into our new house, but it didn't feel like home. You know what I mean? Because my home was with Eunice. You know what I'm saying? We were one like that. And so our first night, I, we come back from our honeymoon, and then, you know, we have our, our own place. You know what I'm saying? And then we're about to go to bed, and I, and I, I look out the window, and I get... And I get like one tear and I, I have this feeling like I don't feel at home, you know? And my, my poor husband, um, he goes, what's wrong? And he was like, I miss Eunice. <laughs> and what can he do, right? I just didn't feel at home then. I'm okay now, guys. I'm not still crying over Eunice after like two years of marriage. That'd be really bad. But the first couple weeks for both of us, it was kind of rough, right, Eunice? It was, it was rough for both of us. We were, like, we were like this, you know, living together for that long. You can't replicate the comfort that you feel at home in someone else's home. 
And much like Eunice said uh, when she was up here, there is no straddling between two worlds. Mostly because you really can't feel comfortable when you're straddling between two worlds. Much like you can't call the house of God your home and feel comfortable there, and you call the world your home and feel comfortable there. You can't have both. There are people who are lucky enough to have own two homes, like your home home and your beach, beach house or something like that, right? Like people who have the luxury to do that. But nobody will say, I feel completely at home in both. You know what I mean? People who do that actually feel more comfortable at one or feel comfortable in neither. There is actually no compromise with the comfort of home. But there's a comfort in the house of God that you cannot replicate. Perk number two. You know where you'll end up. After this is over, I'm going to get on line six. I'm going to go over to Hapjung. I'm going to get out a certain exit because I don't remember the exit because I already know it. I don't know. I, I can't tell you what number it is, but I know where it is. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up to my house. I'm going to turn a right at the first right. And then I'm going to go to my house. And my house is going to be exactly where I left it this morning. Hopefully. Right? Like, I'm, I'm kind of hoping it's still there. Most of you, you guys are going to leave and do the same thing. You don't have to think twice about you. Not, you don't have to look at your neighbor map and say, okay, turn left here and then think a right here. Okay, that's my house. You guys know how to get home, right? It's innate in you. You know exactly where you belong. For the exchange students, I know it's going to take a couple more weeks. But when it does, it's going to be okay. You know exactly where you belong. You know exactly where you're going to end up at the end of the day. You don't really expect your home to be gone when you go home at the end of the night, when you left it just the same, right? Much like that, when you belong to the house of God, you know where you will end up in. If you say, I belong in the house of God, even at the end of the day, when everything else has failed, when you have gone through every other option, you still know where you belong. It's in the house of God. Like we talked about straddling between two worlds, um, you know, we can call something else our house, money, achievements, career, popularity, acceptance, whatever it may be. If you feel like you belong there, like you are drawn there, and this is your identity, and this is your home, you have made that place your trust. I trust my house is going to be there and my bed is, is going to be where I left it and everything is going to be just fine. But much like that, when you put your trust in things that is not God, the house of God, the God's presence, you're saying that I trust in this thing more than anything else. I trust that this is going to be here forever when in reality it's not. In Psalm 146, it says this, Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those who, whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. The second perk of belonging to the house of God is that when you say, I belong to the house of God, you know where you end up. And where you end up is solid ground. God does not fail, which is good. 
there's actually nothing else in the world that can tell, that can, that can really to your face and say, I will never fail you. Like, if someone tells you that, please, please, like, second guess yourself. Like, my husband is from New York, and um, he's a really nice guy, but he's from New York, right? So, um, yeah, so he, he has this thing where he, he, like, he's a city guy, so he's like, he always thinks someone's, like, trying to hustle him, right? And so there's this lady in our apartment that's, like, really trying to help everybody out by, you know, collecting money so we can get the stairs, all this other good stuff. And I was telling him, oh, the lady in two or something, like, she just asked me for money, and I think it's great because, you know, she's like, he's like, hold up, she asked for money? I was like, yeah. He's like, you just trust her and gave her money? I was like, but she said that she'll take care. And she was like, listen, if someone tells you, trust me, trust me, give me your money, trust me, you got to second guess yourself. I was like, oh. Because, see, I grew up in Virginia, in the suburbs, where everybody's very nice to you. He grew up in the streets streets of New York, right, when everybody's trying to hustle you. I was like, oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. It's my bad, my bad. I don't know. I'm sure the lady's nice, but the point is, guys, when someone tells you, trust me, when something other than God tells you to trust me, put your trust in me, second guess that, okay? They're trying to hustle you, okay? They're trying to hustle you. Point three, the per- uh, third perk of being part of God's house is that he's your family. Um, I'm guessing that even if you guys are exchange students, wherever you guys call your home, your parents are there, right? Most likely because none of y'all can own a house yet, right? None of y'all know how to pay a mortgage or pay a lot of rent for like a place yet. And so that's where your family is. And so much like when you say, I belong to the house of God, you're, you're calling God your family. You're calling God part of your family, and you're calling yourself part of God's family. And to take it one step further, you're telling God that he is your father, your dad, your daddy, your Abba, right? He is not just a God or a deity that sits up in the sky and looks down and feels bad for you once in a while or feels very disconnected from you. So when he says, come into my house, he's saying, like, how would you feel when someone says, come to my house? You know what I mean? You already feel this connection, this closeness, the barrier that you once felt, it's, it's already closed, right? In that same way, God wants a close relationship with you, like you have with your parents, like you have with your siblings, like you guys are family, like it's tight, it's blood, right? I don't know why I did that. That's not blood, is it? I was like, <laughs> some, some gang sign, I don't know. Because um, I'm from Virginia, right? Christianity is the only religion that, t- that ties a deity or God so closely with the human. No other religion ties so closely as to say, God, God says, you can call me father. You can call me father. No other religion does that. My dad has a really soft spot um, for his two, I'm only, I'm the oldest and I have a younger sister. Um, he's a very tough, like, Korean man, right? So, like, God blessed him with two daughters. And so, um, he had such a soft, soft spot. So when I got married and, um, and, uh, Sam is having this man-to-man talk with my dad, right? Um, my dad's very stern, but he's basically saying, my daughter can do no wrong in my eyes. If she kills you for something, I'm sure it was a good reason. Like, like that's how he is, right? He's like, there's nothing that she can do wrong in my eyes. 
And so that's why my sister and I pretty much, you know, got everything, anything we really wanted. But not in, like, such an extreme way. We were, like, reasonable, right? Like, we're not asking for cars. We're asking for, like, bikes first, right? So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be, like, reasonable. But whatever he asked, my dad, he looked like, like, he's gonna say no, but he's like, okay, right? Like, can I have this? He's like, okay, right? It's always okay because I am his daughter and he is my father. I know who he is and I can ask. I can go up to him and ask him for money. I can ask, well, not anymore because, you know, I'm married now. But anyways, I used to be able to ask him for money. I used to ask him for whatever I wanted. And he, he would first consider to be a yes, right? Because I am his daughter and he is my father. Secondly, my mom, when I was younger, we were at a bookstore. This, these all stories come together, by the way. My mom, we were at the bookstore when we were really young, like, elementary school and I was with my friend at the bookstore and my my friend brings up like a book and I remember the book because it was like a face painting book and it comes it had like a little palette of paint and teaches you how to paint your face like a lion or a tiger or whatever and so she goes up to my mom and she goes can you buy this for me and my mom she's a little gangster she goes I'm not your mom I'm not buying that for you I was like dang mom so mean but what happened was she didn't know who to ask. She had no authority to ask my mom for that. She had no authority. She crossed the line by asking someone else's mom to buy her something that she should be asking her mom for, right? When you say that I belong to the house of God and he's your family, you can boldly go to God to ask for anything. And because he is a good father, he wants to bless you. He wants to give you good. My friend who crossed the line, you who are part of God's house, you will never cross the line if you ask God. There is no such thing as crossing the line when you ask God. Because he is your father and you are his child. Matthew 7.11 says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? God is a good Father. He is a good, good, good Father. So when you ask, his heart is to give. Like my dad, he, he seems hard, but like literally anything I ask, he'll just do it, right? Like God is not a pushover, but when you ask him, it moves the heart of God. Because when you ask, you're telling him, God, I know you're powerful. I know your wisdom is immeasurable. I know you know things beyond my grid. I know you have, you know, you just formed the world. I know you're so great. But when I ask you, I'm saying that there's a relationship between us. I know that you're my father. So when God is sitting, standing here and you say, God, I want this, it moves the heart of God to give it to you. Because he says, man, she knows her relationship to me. She knows she's not crossing the line when she asks me. He knows that when he asks, he knows that I'm a good father and I'm willing to give. Because that's why he asked in the first place. So now these are the perks of belonging to the house of God. But for some of you, I feel like there's still a distance. Like, okay, that's good. I want to belong to the house of God. And it's not just about salvation. Because salvation gets you there somehow. Right? Salvation is good. Right? But a lot of us, we feel this disconnect with the relationship with God that we can't ask. Right? Like we're Christians, we read the Bible, we go to church, but there is this, there's this last step 
where we feel comfortable enough, where we feel confident enough to go before God and ask. Now, what qualifies you to ask? Let's see. In, ver- in Ephesians, if we go back to Ephesians, uh, from verse 12 to 16, let me read this. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. This relationship between you and God, there used to be a lot of hostility, disjointedness, confusion, brokenness. It's called the hostility. This hostility between your relationship with God started when Adam and Eve sinned. And sin came and broke that relationship, right? Hostility. You can't, have you ever been mad at someone with this hostility between you two? Like, you can't even look each other in the eye. You can't even be in the same room with that person because you feel that aura and you know that person's there. And you can't stand it, right? For some of you, you feel like God is like that. There's still hostility between your relationship with God that when you guys are in the same room, God feels it and he doesn't like it. Or you feel it and you feel uncomfortable. There's a hostility between your relationship and you feel like it cannot be mended. But thank God that he is a good father because he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And it said that his death mended that relationship. His death brought peace into the hostility that sin had created. Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for us to belong to the house of God again. Jesus Christ is showing you how to get to the house of God. He's literally holding your hand and taking you to the front door. He's placing your hand on the front door of the house, helping you turn the front door of the house, letting you in, showing you to the Father and say, hey, ask. I have done everything. I have paid for your price of sin, brokenness, shame, and everything that you feel, the darkness in you, everything, all of that I've already paid for. So now you can go. Go and ask. Please ask. Go and I I have done everything. So you can now ask. You can now ask. Nobody can disqualify you from the house of God but God himself. But thank God that God made a way for us through Jesus Christ. So you're no longer disqualified, but you're qualified for the house of God. This is the beginning of the semester, and I don't know what you guys are asking for. Some of you guys are so new that you don't even know you can ask for anything right now. But this this isn't just for this semester. This is for your entire life from here on out. Are you asking for an awakening in your spirit? Are you asking for a, a, broke, a, a final break in your sin pattern? Are you asking for confidence in Christ? Are you asking for wholeness in your heart? Are you asking for God to mend relationships that you have in your life? Whatever you are asking for, 
You need to know God is saying, I'm a good father. Just come and ask. So while I was praying for this message, and I asked God, how do I give at least point A so they can get to point B and C and D and E? And God said, you need to know not just what to ask for, but who to ask. God has the answer for everything. Like seriously, everything. Any question you have, any struggle that you might have, he has the answer for everything, and you get to ask. You get to ask. You're allowed to ask. It pleases him that you ask. The enemy is telling you, even some of you right now, that you are still disqualified from the house of God for the sin that you committed the other day. The Bible verse that you didn't read that you said you would. The church attendance that you have not been following. The hurt and the bitterness that you hold inside your heart and you can't let go of. So when you hear about the word forgiveness, it cringes in your heart. But the enemy is trying to block you from the house of God. He's staying in the roadway between you and the house of God saying you cannot pass. You cannot pass because of the baggage that you hold. You cannot pass because of the hurt that you carry. You cannot pass because you're damaged goods. You cannot pass because you're a sinner. But don't get it twisted. You are not any of those things. Jesus Christ has already paid for your sin so you can enter the house of God. Don't get it twisted. If you want, not just this semester, but for the rest of your life, every season in your life to be fruitful, you need to know who to ask. What to ask and who to ask. Be expectant of this semester because God has such good gifts to give you. But you've got to know you can ask. He wants you to ask. I'm going to close my sermon with this story. <clears throat> I was on a missions trip um, I was on a missions trip this past winter, and I got to do some orphanage ministry. And these kids, um, they're not just like your regular orphans. Um, their circumstances are really bad. Um, the government has completely disowned them. Um, their moms are either dead or have run away. Their fathers have, are alive but have abandoned them. I met this girl. She's 19 years old, and she's still in her first year of high school. And, you know, the rule in when we were doing that orphanage camp was that you can't ask them about their personal life. But if they tell you, then you can listen. The first day, she was so shy, she didn't even say a word. And the second day, we were, you know, the whole camp, we were talking about identities and speaking life into them. And on the second day, she kind of gave us a glimpse into her life. And it was just, just a short glimpse. And I was just so horrified, actually. And she shared about how when she was um, eight years old, her mom have, has run away. She was stuck with her dad. And her dad one day said, I'm not going to take care of you anymore because I just don't want to. And so he kicks her out of the house at eight years old. And where I was is very, very, very cold in the winter, negative 20 Celsius. She gets kicked out at eight years old in the middle of the winter with no coat, no food, no water, right outside of their home. And the dad says, I'd rather you have you die outside than come back in. Do not come back. Do not look at me. So this girl stood out there for four days with no food, and she only survived because a neighbor just came by once in a while with a glass of water. She miraculously survived that. But that, that moment was so traumatic for her that she has lost all her memory before that moment. So that's her first memory in life, standing outside in the cold. 
feeling abandoned by her father. She eventually got taken into a, an orphanage. And so that's where I met her at 19 years old. And the last night of the camp, we were praying for all these students. They're all orphans, all different stories. Um, we're all praying for them. And when I got to her, of course you feel sad. Of course you feel empathy. But what I started feeling was the frustration of God. And I was like, God, how can you be frustrated at her? You know her story. How can you be frustrated at her? And God told me, tell her, why do you not ask? Why do you not ask anything of me? And with, I, I, I don't even know how she understood me. I was crying so much. She's crying. I'm crying. Everybody's crying. And I'm telling her, God wants to give you everything you've ever wanted. But you have given up asking. You think you're so orphaned by your parents, by the government, and now by God that you feel like you have no place in the house of God. So you can't ask. But God was telling me, I'm frustrated that she won't ask because I want to give her everything. But she won't open her mouth and ask because she has lost the confidence in me. But tell her, I have so much love for you. I have so much confidence in you. And I see you and I know you that if you just ask, I will give you everything. This true orphan didn't know how to ask God because she felt so abandoned by her family and by the government, by everybody she ever trusted. She got felt abandoned. But God was saying, trust me. I'm a good father, and I want to give you everything. So ask. So this girl, this quiet girl, she opens up her hands, and she's with tears in her eyes. She just keeps saying, Father, Appa, Appa. She just kept opening her and said, Appa, Appa. God wanted me to tell you today, why don't you ask? This semester, this life could be so good. You're going to feel freedom that you've never felt before. You're going to have truth instilled in you that you've known, never known before. But you have to ask. And God is a good father, and he will give it to you. Let's pray.